Hello, welcome. Let's talk about Stoke Duck. Let's. It's me, Alfie. Me, Bing. And we're talking about Stoke Duck. No, we're most certainly not. After starting the season, favourites to win the league. Stoke City are definitely not singing anymore. We've lost 3-1 to Leeds. Uh, we drew 1-0 with Brentford. And so far... Well, what do you think? I think it's been a bit miserable, to be honest. You know, not what we expected. Uh, I think people went into the season hoping or expecting to watch championships hard. It's difficult. We've played two of the top sides in the championship. Leeds probably the best technically in the championship, maybe besides, on paper, besides us. Uh, or maybe, you know, next to us. And Brentford, not quite title contenders, but they're known for playing good football. And we, I think, we sort of underestimated that heavily and just went into every season thinking, well, it doesn't matter about all the other teams' traits, we're just going to win. And it seems a bit of an oversight to immediately assume that all the other teams are just worse than us. Yeah, definitely. I mean, from where we were sitting, it is still clear to me that the standard of all, it obviously it's reduced. Um, being um, a Stoke fan of not quite long enough... or No, being a Stoke fan for 15 years, because that's you know, how old I am, but not long enough to have been conscious or heavily conscious of the last time we were in the championship. However, unlike some people, uh, seem to think that stereotypically I, you know, don't seem to understand. I do definitely understand the championship is a hard league and the quality, as I was saying, was... Well, it, it's nowhere near Premier League, is it? It's, but, you know, it's uh, it's still football. It's, yeah, exactly. It's more intense, definitely. You know, in some ways it's not as intense. In some ways it's more, but it's clearly, like, it's clear to me that it's, you know, it's a hard league. There are how many games? 46, is it 48 games? 46. In a season and Stoke just, oh, God, they do not look like, we don't look like we're ready to take on <laughs> that many games. However, what I must reiterate, sorry, not reiterate, I haven't said it yet. What I must emphasise is the need for calm. People need to calm down. I mean... I've genuinely, where we were sitting, people were, you know, they were going mental. They were like, League One football next season, you know, it's, you know, word around is that that's it. We're, we're just terrible, full stop. There's there's no way back. It's all started awfully. It's going to end awfully. This is the end of life on earth. Stoke City will fold at the end of the season. There'll be uh, there'll be no more of this. It'll be like Wimbledon or Crumble. 
into the depths of nowhere and have to claw the way back from the first division all the way down there to right about where we belong in the Premier League. It's going to be a tough few years. Do you agree with that? Definitely not. Uh, no. No. Frankly, no, we're not. Stop overreacting. It's a... Uh, let me, uh, don't get me wrong, I do, do love Stoke fans, most of them, most Stoke fans, but um, I've got to say, shut up, it's two games in, and all I've got to say is, at the minute, I'm not seeing enough to say that, you know, the whole favourites for the league is, you know, correct, drop dead, we will win, you know, I'm not entirely, you know, on that, you know, but I've seen, you know, I've seen enough for me to say it's a bit of a mess at the moment, I've not seen enough for me to say that it's, you know, it's the worst team I've ever seen, I mean, as I am, and as I said a minute ago, we are quite lucky, we have seen football at Stoke City, the some of the best football ever seen in the hundred and fifty odd years that the club has been going, and it's a privilege, frankly, because the other day, as our dad showed us a graph with them um, with our positions in the league since we began, and he sh- showed us where where it was when he was born. And where we are now, he was born in a wonderful year for Stoke in 1972. Of course, that didn't really do much because obviously not conscious of that. But in the history of Stoke, before, you know, we've had a couple of, you know, good seasons before. But this is probably the best, the best football that Stoke City have seen, like, technically. And... I feel lucky for that, and people that say, "Oh, it's all, it's all going," you know, pear shaped, and the um, the toilet waste. We're trying to not the explicit on this. The toilet waste is hitting the fan at the moment. It's all, it's all going wrong. It's all, you know, hitting the ceiling. No, I'm sorry, but. You should feel grateful for what we've got because this isn't the worst team in years. It is genuinely, genuinely full of quality. And this is where I bring uh, my first question to you, Daily. What is the reason for our current, um, how do we say, a hiatus from form that has been at uh, the start of this season? Uh, is it, right, I'll give you a couple of options here, it's always easier when you get the uh, multiple choice. So do you think it's more confidence, just player ability in general? Uh, is it the team hasn't gelled? Right. Or is it is it just that we're just not very good at this thing called football? What What do you think is affecting us most of the minute? So, is it because the team hasn't gelled, or is it because ability is terrible, or confidence? What What do you think? Right, number one, confidence. That that is the number one reason that we are currently. I think 
fans like to think that players will just sort of will go kicking on because we were the Premier League side last year, so we're just going to romp the league and the players are going to be fine and we're just going to, you know, do what we should be doing or whatever and we'll be where we need to be. But that requires the players to have the peace of mind where they think and know that, you know, we can do this and relegation does put a mindset into you whether or not players, probably the players do think, I know we're better than this and I know we can be, you know, further ahead. But at the same time, there are definite doubts there as well because you can't you can't suffer such a heavy loss as relegation and come out of it in complete you know confidence that the whole season is going to be good i completely agree i feel like obviously we've been in the premier league and now we are clearly expecting to you know bounce back it's after the coach family's whole you know letters and the whole well after the infamous i don't see what's wrong here i think like the coach finally had to send that letter out which by the way we just after it it was probably the right thing to do but after those letters were sent out and you know we're gonna have change and it's and people after the signings we made people just thought you know we need to kick on now and we will the confidence England in the World Cup, it was very, we are going to win. And always, that is always a good thing. But when we don't win, uh, which ultimately, like England, they didn't win, when we don't win a game of football, don't, don't immediately pounce on the back like it's some kind of, uh, some kind of throwing tomatoes at the start. It's like, slow down here. But uh, having a reference to signings, uh, I think, in my opinion, we got a Fove, we got Federici, uh, a Tebo, uh, we kept Allen, that's that's got one, Ince. isn't it? Got Ince, yeah. Uh, McLean, <coughs> McLean, um, football-wise. Uh, what, what do you think of our signings? Uh, I think... I, I can't really point out the best signing, really, because I think none of them have showed exactly what they can, you know, do so far. I think the best for a championship team is a Fobe, and the second best for a championship team is Ince, because Ince can do it in the championship. With Mr. Championship Tom Ince. Yes, or Thomas Ince. Thomas. Right, now, uh, thanks for that. Right, what I was going to say was, just before we move on, is some people on, you know, I did think that we need somewhere. The loan market is still open. Apparently yesterday uh, or the other day, we were rumoured to be after Real Madrid um, wonder kid. Uh, sorry, I might have dropped the right phone there. Real Madrid wonder kid, Martin Odegaard. Uh, I think he's an attacking mid, which in my opinion, we do need a midfield despite that being the area which we have so many we definitely need a deep line defensive mid because Darren Fletcher is not the answer I'll also be surprised if Badu and Die isn't gone come 31st of August and if he isn't 
I'm not really sure how he glues together with Atebo and Allen because against Leeds on the opening day, Atebo and Allen did not fit with Badu. I think Badu sat back, but Badu also seemed well, he, to... He was he sat back, but he just wasn't in the game, was it? That was my feeling. So, yeah, I, I feel we do need a deep line centre mid and... Odegaard, however exciting he is, kind of like Jesse last season. I don't think he's the, uh, you know, the final answer. Uh, right, so uh, we will move on. Talking of uh, deep lying centre mids, let's review the Leeds game and what went wrong there. So uh, three one to a uh, a Marcello Bielsa boosted uh, Leeds team. Marcello, of course. Too busy snogging the translator and just uh, the translator telling him about five word answers and him coming back with the word yes, no, and happy. And uh, of course, it was a very bizarre, bizarre interview with him. But uh, what what happened with Stoke? First game of the season, we expected more, didn't we? I think we expected Stoke to at least go to lead with some. Not, not dignity, but with some gravitas, maybe some, some, some hope of maybe turning off few trees, maybe not, not completely destroying anyone, not going there to beat Leeds, but to at least give them a challenge. And I don't think we expected Bielsa's onslaught, Gagan press, or. We we were terrible against the Gagan press, let's be honest. We we couldn't defend it, we couldn't attack against it, we couldn't go up against it without quaking in the boots. Yeah. For those of you who aren't, uh, aren't big on your football lingo, Gagan press is, of course, uh, a Klopp-esque uh, German uh, style of defending and football where you always... The team surrounds the map, the pressure is so immense on your men and we just absolutely and still to keep it from being explicit we absolutely soiled our pants whenever they got any i'm not being funny but it was a bit a bit lackluster in a way but i feel like we were oozing confidence from the fans that like we've said just that we were going to do well this season and it was going to start off well if we were going to do very well this season, but unfortunately, it didn't happen like that, and we panicked at the first time of asking for us to do so. And yeah, the game press caught us out, I think. Um, but quality wise, what what do you think of like a phobie in that game, particularly? A was completely, absolutely isolated. There was almost no recollection of him being there for half the game. He may as well not have been. That's probably not his fault. I think it is the fault of maybe Rowett not seeing Bielsa's plan and sticking a phobia up there while the Gagan press meant that the players didn't have time on the ball to pick out a phobia. And no matter how good his runs were or how bad 
their Gegenfest was, which it obviously wasn't. It just meant that Stoke Police didn't know what to do with themselves when the when the ball came to them and they didn't know how to pick out a phobie or Ince. If Ince is on the wing, if phobie is in the middle and Ince is surrounded, then all he can do is pass it back. And then immediately, I suppose, Bauer would be behind him and nothing would happen there. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I agree with that. And I think the fact that, you know, the uh, the attacking style of Rowett was completely, you know, it was completely opposed by the uh, Bielsa system. And I'm worried, I don't know why I thought, <clears throat> instead of voice, I'm worried that that is going to be spotted by other teams and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be uh, taken out. But obviously teams won't do it as that well and one thing I've got to say and this for both of the games as you said at the start Brentford are a great footballing team I'm going to say the same for Leeds Leeds played very well it's not we weren't we weren't good at all but the reason that we weren't good was because Leeds played very well and that is you know quite a crucial point to make I think because Stoke fans will be looking at, admittedly, we were we were not good. But I think some Stoke fans will obviously be looking at this as a kind of, you know, we were, we were the reason we lost, which in some ways, yes, we were, but we weren't the only reason. I think Leeds were very good on the day. However, one player I do have a, a bit of a thingy for in this game... They're number 23, they're Phillips. Jesus Christ, some of the tackles he was making, they were a bit ferocious, weren't they? And I think those tackles kind of outline what Leeds were doing in that game that we weren't, which was just getting stuck in. I feel like we laid back a bit, we yeah, were a bit... Yeah. We weren't confident enough, as you said earlier, and I think that showed in the way that we weren't getting great... Right in there, like a Geordie. Uh, we weren't getting uh, right in there and just getting really stuck in, and just going at them. It was a bit. It was a bit sloppy in places, and clearly players like Peters and Shawcross, and Indy at times, and Bauer made a couple of these mistakes against Brentford as well, despite being very good against them. It was. You know, making a pass, and a pass could have been made forward, but it just wasn't. And if this isn't happening, the Gary Rowett style play is, and for some Stoke fans saying we want Fewish back, it is remarkably similar to Fewish, except for one thing. We do counter-attack immediately, we do defend quite a bit. But his style of play is that when we counter, we counter-attack using good football. And unfortunately, when you're too scared to pass forward and you keep turning around, that doesn't happen. And that, I think, is why Rowett comes out at the end and says, that's not what I wanted. We weren't good enough. We weren't listening to me there. The team weren't doing what I wanted them to at all. And that's echoed in the Brentford game as well. However, I did do think, and I'll get on to this in a minute, I do think we slightly... ...under, under the... Uh,
Yeah, so, um, any other opinions you want to express on the Leeds game? I think that we, we didn't create enough chances, we didn't have any confidence, and despite us having a new manager, the new manager sort of atmosphere was around Leeds, simply because Bielsa is such a, such a, great sort of name in the football. Yeah, Guardiola says he's great. Pochettino says he's great. I mean, he is very, very, uh, what's it called, volatile, but, you know. Creepy into a fire's bedroom house. Don't really want to go. Sitting on a a, a water dispenser bucket thingy the whole game. He was very relaxed about the whole thing. Unlike Stoke, and that's where I think we went wrong. Anyway, uh, let's. Uh, I think we've covered the Leeds game just enough. The occasion, the disappointment, <laughs> ultimately. 3 1 loss. Uh, I think we'll now move on to Brentford at home. Our first home game of the season. Right, Brentford. Uh, as I've said before, good. Good football playing team and I think you said this as well uh, and I'll make this clear they have they're a team that work on this they don't take lone players or they don't take many at least because of from what I know anyway from what I've heard of Brentford fans they don't take lone players because they work on their own team and they you know they come together and they they are one they are a unit and they've been doing this for years and years since they've, um, you know, for the past five, four or five years, I think. And the the way they've done this is shifting into a, and something some people don't know, they shifted into a, a, a head coach role with, uh, I think it's Dean Smith at the head at the moment. But some people don't know what this is. And the head coach role is basically when if you leave, there will always be someone to come in and immediately be able to, uh, you know, do your job. Like, so basically the idea is the transition will be easier because the team will all gel and the new manager will come in with the same ideas as the last one. So this team have worked on one system and that is playing good football for years now. And the players in that team are all familiar with it. So they, they are a good footballing team and you could clearly see that. Than that, despite saying at the start, of course, the quality is not Premier League, but you could see that they were outplaying us, and oh, it's quite frustrating. And one thing I didn't just say when we were on about Leeds, the midfield was shocking for us, they were basically non existent. Alan wasn't there, Tabo wasn't really doing much under the Gagan press, and oh, god, when we brought you know, I think we brought Fletcher on, did we? And surprisingly, he was genuinely one of our best players on the day in the midfield, which is, uh, which is a shocking oh, statement. Which ever said you, you you know you're in trouble, sort of saying that old old Darren Fletcher is. Uh, I mean, he's not ancient, but he's not quick. He's yeah, not. he's a bit you know workhousey, uh, and. That that was taken into the next game. So, um, by the way, I must reiterate at this point that this is the first episode of the series and we're trying to go through these two games 
quite quickly, whereas usually, of course, we'd be able to have a whole podcast devoted to one game because we release them, I think, every, possibly every Tuesday or Thursday. We'll have to make a mind up. That will be officially announced each week after a game. We might pause during international breaks, or we may do one depending on if there's enough news to cover it. Right, anyway, so as I was saying, that that Darren Fletcher being the best player, that comment clearly was, you know, seen enough and Rowett agreed probably with the comment, which is why Fletcher started against Brentford. It, it was Alan Fletcher and it was Bojan in midfield, so we had two two midfielders and an attacking mid in front of them. So I think we started off playing 4-3-3 and we slipped into a 4-4-2 with Bojan playing up front and Ince and McLean on the wings after a while. So, um, yeah, that's how we started out. And I think Fletcher was... Well, he did what Darren Fletcher... He didn't. He wasn't amazing. He was probably one of the worst on the pitch, to be honest. But... I think genuinely, I agree that Fletcher isn't very good and isn't clearly isn't the answer to anything. But when he gets on the edge of the box and into the D, you know, on the edge of the box there, and he's playing square balls out wide, that really works. And if we can just find a player who can do that, or if we if we get Bojan doing that sort of thing when he's in attacking mid, then I think it'll work. But Fletcher is decent there, but he committed a few silly fouls along with McLean, who we'll get onto in a minute. And he just wasn't really the answer to keeping the defence shored up and, you know, protecting them. He clearly isn't the answer. Uh, and he got the run around for 90 minutes, I thought, well, however long he was on for. And then when he went off, you know, who was it who came on? Was it a Tavo came on? I believe what did he come on for Bojan? I can't quite remember. But uh, when the person who came on for him came on, it would you know the game looked a bit better. Now that was not very chronological, so we'll just start at the start of the game. So we go through the game. Brent. Well, first thing I must address is we start the game and we do the same as we did at the Leeds game, which is. The uh, the kickoff is taken, it's given to Fletcher. The wingers both make a run. Fletcher squares the ball out wide. The ball immediately goes out for a throw in. When it was at Leeds, the ball immediately, <laughs> immediately go went to a Leeds player. This doesn't work. I think this must be said. You can't stop. I mean, we did it a few times with Adam when uh, Pulis was. It Pewis. It's like Hughes was still knocking around a few times towards the end, and it just doesn't work. I don't see that. I don't. No, it, you just we just give possession away. I just thought I'd like to make a point on this. And the other day I was watching the highlights, uh, top quality highlights on Quest, and all you see is the kick off that bit, and then immediately uh, we skip forward. Uh, immediately to a bit that I forgot now. Oh God! Can you fill in what I'm driving? No. I <laughs> uh, oh, production value is <laughs> going through the roof. Well, we're saying after it kicked out. Yes. Well, I suppose 
we sort of That's started it. on the back foot. That's it. I remember yeah. now. So we start. Sorry for interrupting as well. So we started off. We did the kickoff, and then immediately we skipped forward to I think a minor foul made, and the referee says play on, and then we just skip forward to Bruno Martins Indy being injured uh, quite early into the game, and listen to uh, praise and grumble after the game. And I must say, it was made out by a couple of people that the Indy injury might be a blessing in disguise, and I, I quite agree, I've got to be honest. Um, Indy went off, uh, I think, we're getting, you know, I think Rowett said after the match that it's, uh, you know, he's kind of knocked, he's cruciate about it, he's kind of worn it a bit, you know. Yeah. And he thinks it'd be minor, but we don't know. Uh, and to be honest, I haven't seen much on it. I haven't really researched it heavily, which is, you know, bad for a Stoke fan. But off he went. On came, on came Ashley Williams. And uh, the defence was, in short, a bit of a mess. But And it was before he came on. It was a mess. That's just we all were, I can we say. We were being passed through. It was going straight through. It was building up well. And we sat back a bit too much and let them sort of play it around <laughs> us for the, for the first 30 minutes. And obviously, we just did that until 30-odd minutes where the goal came. We sat back for 30 minutes and it felt a bit like Brentford were doing... Not much, but just a bit to stop us getting the ball. And every now and then we had a chance and we'd sort of scuff it up. We wouldn't really get a clear chance on goal till the 30-odd minute where, uh, through no doing of our own, uh, we were clapping <laughs> the... Uh, 28th minute uh, when... Uh... For the midwife who uh, went missing and a body was found, it's suspected to be a murder, and a man was arrested in the 28th minute. She was from around Stoke. We we clapped and official quote from the goalkeeper afterwards. uh, Daniel Bentley has said that uh, communication was poor as he could not hear his defender because the noise in the ground was so loud, which meant that the defender, uh, when uh, Daniel Bentley shouted, did not hear that Daniel Bentley was going to catch the ball. Which is what I call a terrible excuse. Uh, The defender headed it through Bentley's arms and a fove was played in behind, which is a good poacher's goal, you might say. I know he's trying to claw you know, a lot out of defensive, you know, mistake. But uh, if he hadn't been there, it wouldn't have been a goal. So, you there know, he's got two and two games. Anyway, yeah, I think we've gone a bit further than I wanted to there. Because what I was going to say was, Williams came on and the defence tightened up a little bit, but it was still a bit leniently open. And it's a lucky goal that we got from, like you say, miscommunication in their defence. And I think their manager after the game came out and said that that is definitely something that they need to work on. Uh, And as you said, the goalkeeper's quote there, yeah. 
it was just a mess for them and we made the most of it and Rao it seems to keep saying, you know, oh well it's Bennett's goal because Bennett did amazing to chase him down. And yeah, of course it's goal, but defensive error gave us the lead and I think they they would have felt disappointed to go in at half time one nil down because Definitely. they were on top. And this is where we get into another highlight, which is when we start the next half, we see them kicking off and we on the highlights, I mean I know this wasn't how it was, but well, it reflected how it was, but it wasn't exactly how it was. But on the highlights, for the first, you know, couple of highlights of the second half, we never saw the ball. You know, and just before, sorry, just after we scored, we had, what, 15 minutes of being good and 15 minutes of you know, looking like we were going to be ahead. And as well, it said, for me, that isn't, that, that's not, you know, or how positive. It genuinely, it didn't, it was good, but that's not good enough, is it really? So, that's where I stand on that. And then, as I was saying, first couple of clips of highlights in the second half, and shoot, just to say we were there I'm not just I haven't just watched the highlights but it's just kind of mapping out how the game really was and it, it just the first couple of highlights were just Brentford on the ball and we didn't really and whenever we did see the ball we didn't do much with it and it was it was genuinely just not good as a whole to be honest and yeah, a bit lacklustre. Yeah, in the yeah. in the sort of we 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 seem to have taken all the momentum going into half time. It was all on us. We were eventually getting. We got quite a few good chances in after the thirty minute mark after we'd scored, and there were good chances, but we weren't taking them. Either the keeper was tiffing it over, or it was going wide. But it was never really such a clear-cut chance or or a chance that you go, that should have gone in. Like, yeah. the chances could have been created more. But um, ultimately, I don't think we created well enough to, to see it through after the half. The momentum had completely gone from, from the whistle at the half-time. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, and it, yeah, obviously like we scored, we and like it. say they, they had a knock on. It had a knock on effect of us having all the momentum, and then for some reason, after that fifty minute spell and into the second half, they were on top again. They clawed the way back on top, and it was a brilliant piece of play. I think like almost every player touched the ball. It, and a sweet strike by Ollie Watkins, right at the bottom like corner from the edge. Of, in the exactly, room. it was Barcelona stuff. It, it was good football. Uh, and guess what? They scored. And it, it, no Stoke fan can be stretched to say that they didn't deserve that. And if you do, I think you're a bit, a bit deluded, to be honest, because they were all over us for the whole game. Right, now, what we're going to get on to is a section I like to call. Uh, you know, the basic review of the game that we'll do after every game. And this bit's like, you know, who are your top, you know, two players, three players, you know? Who are your best players for Stoke? 
my best play is Soak. With... We didn't do this for the Leeds game because I felt it shouldn't count because yeah. that was such a shambles yeah. that, you know. Um, best play is Soak. I think one of the best players on that field. Because the, the, there wasn't a distinctive, you know, sort of standout performance, really. I think, but one of our best players by far was Benny Kofobi because he was there when he needed to be. Not to be honest, with goal, I almost disagree with that because I think he was isolated like he was at Leeds. But when he was there, I agree he did quite well and you can see where he was going. Uh, so you actually will only do two plays. You do one, now do another. So you say a phobie. Yeah. Uh, my best player was, and I almost forgot to reference this, and I will now. Bojan started a game and he did well, and I, I thought he was genuinely good until he was subbed off, which to me, was a bit mindless and a bit, you know. But apparently he was looking tired, and in fairness to him, he hasn't really played that many games in Stoke shirt. And that's his first uh, full start at home for, well, ages, and I think he did well, and I think he was the best player. So, yeah, he was very good. Um, now, we move on uh, to worst player. Worst player? Uh... Also, I'd like to say Butland had a good game as well after the Leeds howler for the first of their goals. Yeah. As we didn't discuss their goals, it hurt too much. So. Uh, worst player? Well, I don't really think... Oh, I'd have to say either... I mean, he, he wasn't complete standout, terrible performance, but Peters, it was below, below average for that. I don't feel he was really effective in much of the play and as we saw with Leeds again there was a lot of I can't really tell whether the defenders trying to cover or the playing offside track but when they are Peters is constantly too deep. Yeah. He was a almost like all the you know, Leeds goals a bit that. off. Because, yeah, exactly, their first goal when their defensive mid got in behind. It, it was a bit ridiculous because Peters was putting me miles outside and he should have been off. So I agree with your point. Um, worst player for me, easily, easy this one, James McLean. Um, whoa. Uh, was he even there? I've got to be honest, people around... Where we were sitting in the uh, in the Franklin stand, we had moved from the Boothen end, uh, as we we have been for the past couple of seasons in the Boothen end. But we moved to the Franklin stand for a bit more decorum. Uh, no, no, that that wasn't what was happening. People around us seemed to you know get on his back for his political views, and I, I'm not going to get on his back for his political views. And I, I understand everyone's entitled to to their opinion. About him and the letter, we've, I think we've all read the letter. If you haven't, go and read the letter he sent to Dave Whelan, the chairman of Wigan, when he was there. And, uh, you know, make up your own mind. But I'm not, I'm not, especially here, and in my own mind, I'm not going to judge him on his political views. I'm going to judge him on his football. And uh, some people say his political views were terrible. By God, 
His football was terrible in the first two games. He he's so predictable. He was, he's he's not got an ounce of skill in him. And a point that uh, Lee Blakeman made to uh, Liam Lawrence, or Lee Blakeman requoted Lawrence from uh, his commentary on Radio Stoke and Praise and Grumble. He said that at some point Lawrence had said. I don't know who's got skill in this team other than Ince and Bojan. And he's right. My God, McLean is not full of skill at all, is he? And we were told that we like him because of his workhorse attitude. And I can see where that's coming from because he clearly does work. But for most of the game, he was lacklustre. Again, it was he's not beating anyone because he either does the same thing or just isn't confident enough. And um, yeah, it was it was quite disappointing to be honest. He, he wasn't it was very good very at all. Poor showing. I don't, I'm not sure whether to say he, he. I'm gonna back him up a bit. He he was a utility player, and he was up and down, up and down. But it felt like that was almost for nothing. All the runs he was making, he was making them, and then immediately sort of. No impact came from this, you get what I mean? The immediate run meant, oh yes, he's on the ball, but he'd run, he's run, and then he'd immediately get tackled after. There'd be no satisfying outcome. There'd be no, at least he put a ball in, or, you know, at least he tried to have an effort. Because he didn't, he just couldn't get close enough to do anything. And when he tracked back, he probably did make a couple of tackles, but they weren't noticeable. Nothing that he did seemed to be... Of note, and that that's a problem. Some players like Glenn Whelan throughout the years, maybe, or Dean Whitehead, they 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 weren't spectacular, were they? And I think lots of people were calling for Whelan to get sold the other season simply because of the fact that yes, while he is a club legend now, undoubtedly, he. He wasn't Mr. Spectacular, and sometimes that meant that Stoke could do more with other players. He was there, and he was solid, but McLean wasn't spectacular in the fact that you didn't even... Well, you didn't notice Whelan was there sometimes. You didn't notice McLean was there because he had no impact. He wasn't making anybody else do anything better. He was just doing nothing. Yeah, I totally agree. It was a bit lackluster. And a bit, a bit off the mark. To be honest, it's, to be honest, when you bring in new signings after everyone else is feeling so low on confidence, you expect the new signings like Ince and uh, McLean to come in and be, be the ones who don't have that chip on the shoulder about what happened last season. But the obviously McLean was relegated as well. But you think moving into a new team that you've got to not have a chip on your shoulder about what happened with your previous team. And it, with McLean, he, well, clearly did. And I don't think we're going to stop falling well until we're able to shake it off. And my only hope is that we can shake it off sooner rather than later. But of course I'm not being, um, I'm not being dramatic. And I think, obviously, there's so many games left of the season. We're only two games into a 40-odd game season. And there's still hope out there, so you know, come on, Stoke. That's what I say. There is, but I think at the same time, there's also a lot of scepticism 
while there is hope, I think players need to get it out of their heads that it could go wrong this week. And I think that's what the problem with the confidence is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I think sometimes players were too afraid to go on the ball and that was, you know, affecting them. So, and I think we might have repeated this point already, so I'm sorry for that. But, yeah, it was... Uh, that. That's our thoughts on the Wentford game. Uh, I think we might uh, just do another little segment and then we'll wrap it up. Right. Now, the final uh, thing I would like to say on this podcast... It's about that video that came out and uh, how much I uh, completely behind that sort of thing. I mean, after pot of mouth being uh, been missing for some time now, uh, I think we've needed a little battle cry that's better than the weird lion thing that we did last season with Zoomers shouting in the faces and Nigel Johnson's raw voice really reflected that and the city is so ready and here we come. Here we come. Here we go. Here we go. I think the the rally is what we need right now. I think obviously the 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 going down is such a difficult thing to face as a football club, but also it. It requires some other other place for the strength to come from, you know, the fans, the sort of the backroom staff, that sort of thing. You have to be able to, you know, make your team seem upbeat and ready for the season. And to be honest, I am. Are you? Uh, yes. <laughs> Here we come. This has been the Let's Talk About Stoked Up podcast, uh, and that is our first ever episode, uh, and it's a chaw, chaw from me, Alfie, and chaw, duck, from Bailey. Thank you very much for listening. We will be back in a week's time to talk about the result at Deep Day or against Preston. Come on, you mighty potters, that's what I say. Come on. Goodbye.